Okay, I guess I'm up. <laughs> Great to be with you and uh, once again. And uh, if you, I, I didn't realize you had these uh, duck hunting conferences. That's pretty interesting. Um, if you'd ask me for a speaker for that, I'd say Larry Price is the one. Um, Brother Larry loves hunting, and so say hello to him when you see him for me. Um, we'll probably won't be seeing him until January, is my guess, based on our schedules, but uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy the time for those who go to that conference. Uh, good to be with you again this week, and thank you for your prayers for us. Some of you remember us being here a few years back. Uh, we were not able to get it in the schedule last year. We apologize. Uh, we did try, but uh, there just was no room to get it in. So this year, at least we got you in the schedule uh, for a Sunday. We're thankful for that. And we appreciate your prayers. Uh, we will be traveling from here uh, to various assemblies in California. Eventually, next Sunday, we're in Napa, uh, up Napa Valley. And then we're going to be up in Canada for a conference and also doing a Bible family camp up in British Columbia as well. So appreciate your prayers for us as we travel these next two or three weeks out in the West Coast before we go back towards uh, the middle of the country. So I appreciate that. Barbara and I are doing well. Thank you again. And uh, for those who come by to ask how we're doing, uh, we've enjoyed our time a few days over the Western Assembly Home. Always enjoy being over there with the Saints and uh, being able to converse with them. And we sang a few songs uh, at the meals and so on, which is very nice. We really enjoy being over there. My mom is now at Pittsburgh Village, actually, over in North Carolina. And uh, so we enjoy going over there as well. So we, we'll, we'll have to go back and forth between the two of them, right? We'll just go and enjoy our time with the uh, saints. It's been great. Uh, as I thought about what the Lord might have us to look at today, there's, of course, all the scriptures are marvelous, aren't they? I mean, the, the word of God is a great thing. Uh, to be in. I thought, though, we would take a look at one verse today uh, because our time, I understand I only, I only have four or five hours with you, and so one verse is about all we can do. And so I thought we might look at uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and over in verse 20. So let's do that together. I've left some uh, CDs on the table in the back, by the way. Some of you may already have it from before. But if you don't have that newer CD, you can take a copy of it in the back table in the foyer, and we put our card out there as well. Uh, we, do a, we do have a friend who has a studio, and he has me do some CDs once in a while, uh, singing. That's singing, not speaking. People ask me, well, where's your speaking CDs? I haven't done those. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Uh, For our commonwealth has its existence in the heavens, or yours might say our citizenship, is in the heavens, from whence we also await the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And that's about as far as we'll get today, because, see, that is a marvelous verse. The issue of our citizenship, our commonwealth. And I thought we'd take like a look at this in some detail and see what the Lord has to say to us. Uh, no doubt you uh, are citizens of various countries, uh, many of you are citizens of this country, the USA, as we call it, the United States of America. But others of you may come from other countries, and maybe dual citizens, we might call it, or perhaps your citizenship is elsewhere and you're here visiting. And uh, we, met, we met the young lady from Scotland. Uh, she was born in Scotland, I think, it's over here, uh, during the break. And uh, so, oh, Scottish, that's marvelous. And uh, I think I have some Scottish in me somewhere. Um, but I'm not sure where. Uh, I did mention to her that we, uh, I do have a lot of English because uh, my grandfather was a Spencer. 
And so I know we're English, but not so sure about the Scottish side of things. But still, what, nonetheless, whatever it might be, we are all citizens of some country, it seems. And we're here gathered together from all different cultures and countries, perhaps, or at least we perhaps our, our ancestors came from different countries. And here we are, the Lord has gathered us together today to look at his word together. And the question becomes, uh, where's our citizenship? Uh, as we look at this verse, chapter 320 of Philippians. So I thought we'd take a look a little bit at this and see what is it really saying. Because if you look at your translation, it may say our conduct. The old, I think the old King James probably has the word conduct there. It might say uh, for our, you know, our conduct or perhaps how uh, the, the place where we conduct ourselves, one might say. Uh, there might be different translations that use that word. Because in the old English, the idea of our conduct, or it might say communication or conversation. Our conversation has its existence in the heavens. In fact, that's probably what the King James says. And so well, what was our conversation, what's that? Well, as you see from this translation here, which is the Darby translation, it, it says the commonwealth or our citizenship. The, you know, essentially in the Greek word is palatuma for those who love the Greek. And uh, I know there's a few, no doubt, Greek scholars here. I don't consider myself a Greek scholar, but I know some of you have been to seminary and I haven't. And so you might be ahead of me there. But uh, polituma, this idea of policy or politics, these different words we get in English uh, that are related to this word, polituma. And it comes from the Greek word, the root word is polis. P-O-L-I-S. Now you know, you, you have that in your names here, cities here, in this country as well, don't we? Uh, for instance, we have uh, Annapolis. Uh, I know uh, Dawn Walters here. She's from Maryland uh, way back. I remember meeting her there at the assembly there at uh, uh, New Hampshire Avenue. And uh, there's Annapolis, Maryland, right? Uh, some of you have been there? Annapolis, of course. Polis means city. Anne, right? It's Anne City. The city of Ann, Annapolis, right? And we have others as well. We go to Alabama once in a while. We speak at an assembly down, Galleon, Alabama, a small assembly down there, a marvelous little work. And uh, we go through a city called Demopolis. And there's that polis again, right? City, so we knew right away. And there's several Greek words for, the, for people, and dem, demos is one of them, right? And so we have demo, the, the city of the people, say. And so we can keep going and talk about very, you know, Indianapolis, right? And all these different cities that have polis on the end, now you know where that word polis comes from. And so here we have this word that comes from this root word, polis, and now we get a sense, oh, it's not just conversation, is it? As our translation might say, or just our conduct. It's related, of course. Uh, that old English had a good intent. But here we see then it deals with a city. And if I were to go over, for instance, to Acts chapter 22, we'll see a few uses of it in different places. I won't go to too many other scriptures today, but we'll go to a few. Acts chapter 22. And see what we can't learn about cities and the idea of our politics, our citizenship. But in chapter 22 of Acts, and we'll see this is when uh, Paul uh, is going to be... Uh, He's a Roman, of course, and now they're going to scourge him. And in verse 26, the centurion, having heard it, went and reported to the Chiliarch, saying, What art thou going to do? For this man is a Roman. That is, Paul was going to be 
uh, you know, uh, interrogated, of course, and uh, perhaps scourged and so on. And uh, he, uh, he says, well, Paul says, wait a minute, I'm a Roman. <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, as paraphrasing, of course. And so uh, well, what's that have to do with it? You know, why, why would he not be scourged anyway? You might ask. But you see, the Chiliarch in verse 27 then comes and says to him, tell me, art thou Roman? And he said, yes. And the Chiliarch answered, I for a great sum bought this citizenship. There's the word again. I for a great sum, this man says, bought Roman citizenship. There must have been something about being a Roman that was important to take advantage of, right? Again, different translations may have different words here, but here again, the idea of this, this ability to be connected as a Roman. And there were some benefits of being Roman, weren't there? And you, uh, you had some liberties as a Roman. And you had the benefits of some law, and you couldn't be interrogated as a Roman uh, right, right off the bat, could you? But if you were someone else, forget it. They'd take care of you. No problem. But see, being a Roman citizen had great value within the Roman society. And so this man, who was not a Roman, decides it was worth his while to take a great sum. I don't know how long or how many years it would have taken him, but he took this great sum to say, I want that citizenship. And how much are we willing to pay for our heavenly citizenship? Our citizenship. This man was willing to pay a great sum to have a Roman one, which maybe was very good at that time. But how much greater are our citizenship in heaven? Well, we have to think about that a little bit and go over to Ephesians chapter 2. And we go over to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll see another use here. Uh, starting in verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye once nations, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, done with the hand, that ye were at that time without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. From that citizenship, there it is again, right? The commonwealth of Israel and strangers of the covenants of promise having no hope and without God. And so here we are again. The Israelites had some kind of special, uh, they're, they're a special nation. They had a special citizenship, had special blessings perhaps associated with it, uh, certainly certain rights and privileges associated with being an Israelite that the Gentiles didn't have, did they? Unless they got to know Israel's God. And of course now we have that same opportunity today, don't we? To know Israel's God, as it were, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we are, we have several examples in of this idea of citizenship, that it's not just an earthly thing, but we have a heavenly one, don't we? One that we look forward to actually, uh, we might say, getting an inheritance someday, don't we? A spiritual inheritance above someday. Uh, even Abraham looked for that city, didn't he? It's very important to see from the book of Hebrews, that Abraham looked for a city whose builder and maker was... Well, God, didn't he? Whose builder and maker was God from Hebrews chapter 11. And so we recognize then that a city is extremely important because there are certain benefits, there are certain things that help us if we're citizens of that country or that city or whatever it might be. And I hope each one here today is a member of the heavenly city. 
that your politics, as it were, were there, right? Because remember, it's polituma, right? The, our, our politics are, uh, and all that we think about as far as how we live is associated with that city. Now, of course, we obey the laws here, don't we? And we do all obey the laws of our country here, don't we? Every single one, don't we? Uh, some of you are just smiling and saying, well, all those uh, speed limit signs and you know, all those more. Oh, don't, don't, don't talk about that, brother, please. <laughs> you see, we do have certain rules in this country, physically on earth, and, and as those who uh, are at least uh, being in this country, you will agree to obey those laws as if you were a citizen, wouldn't you? Whether you're a national citizen or not. But being in this country, you have certain privileges as well. You can vote and do other things as well and, and the like, and there's perhaps certain things you can do that others can't do from outside and, and the like. But you see, then we have certain privileges of the heavenly city that none other have. And we have an inheritance there that no one in this world who's not a member of that city has, do we? Don't we? And so we have a colony, as it were, there. And our citizenship should be there, shouldn't it? And our, the way we conduct ourselves, and, and I won't go into this so much today, because that's a different verse in Philippians we would look, have to look at, Philippians 1.27, that deals with the idea of how we conduct ourselves as citizens. Maybe we can do that next year or perhaps another year if we get back out again. But here we see then the importance of the place, the commonwealth, our citizenship, and though we may have uh, privileges to vote here and do other kinds of things like that, and to listen to various people speak about their various views and so on, there's nothing greater than being a citizen of heaven. There's no greater politics and to no greater involvement to be involved with that city, it seems to me. And I hope you find that true as well. Sometimes we can get so involved in the world's politics that we ignore the politics from heaven, the things that are, the, that are important to heaven and trying to help others to see the importance of being a citizen there. Because we can help other people, can't we, to get citizenship, as it were. We can help them by sharing the gospel, as was mentioned earlier, in various ways. And so let us work to secure others who might desire to have that citizenship before it's too late. Because, you see, you can't get that citizenship once you die, can you? That's true of any, any, I mean, a country perhaps could, I suppose, but countries do not usually give citizenship to dead people, do they? I don't think. Now, you might come back to me later on and say, well, our country does, posthumously or something like this. But generally speaking, we wouldn't say so. And the same is true of heaven. You have to become a citizen while you're alive. Very interesting. And so if you sit here alive today, which I think everybody sitting here today is alive, right? <laughs> Physically. And if you're alive here today, I hope you've put your trust in Christ so that you might become a heavenly citizen. Well, that's our first P, as we call it. Speakers like to make all these lists of things, right? So the P here is for place, our citizenship. Well, we go back then to Philippians chapter, uh, chapter uh, 3 again. And let's look at uh, verse 20 once again. We've got to continue on. For our commonwealth, that is this place, this place where we have our politics, has its existence in the heavens. Now, i got to stop because, you see, has its existence. Now, yours might say is in the heavenlies, right, or something like this. Yours might have the word is, might has existence. Well, that's sort of interesting. 
Because you see, that word is. Now, you see, we're going to be here a long time, aren't we? I'm just, I just got into the word is now. So, so we, we gotta, but you might say, now, Brother Ed, what, what are you going to say about the word is? I mean, come on, commonwealth I can get. But you know, is? Is that important? <laughs> but it is because, see, in the, in the Greek, there are two words for is. Uh, just like there are two words for if. And they do make a difference. And so here, this is a very interesting word. This is not the usual word for is. Now, you know the word now. Uh, I'm sure we have some English majors in here, right? You, you grammarians and all that kind of thing. Uh, the, the word is, you know, is uh, related to the verb to be. And so, right, is, are, and so on, right? You know all about that. If not, now you've just got the lesson for English, right? And, uh, and then some of you may not be English. You might say, oh, that's good to know. And so we have is. But here, this word is is not the usual is or related to the verb to be so much. Uh, I can give you an example in the same book, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. It says here, G, uh, actually let's start in verse, uh, verse 5. For let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who subsisting or, in the or is in the form of God, or was in the form of God, right? Yours might say was, part of it to be. Uh, was in the form of God, um, did not esteem it an object of rapine or robbery to be equal to God, but emptied himself and so on. So there it is, that word was or is or are, that's the, the, but this one here is the same word we're seeing in chapter 3, verse 20. But here the Greek word is not the usual Greek word, it's huparko is the word in Greek. And that's sort of interesting because uh, it's the idea of uh, an existence, but not necessarily just eternal existence. Some people will say that in commentators, say eternal, and that's not really the idea. The idea of existence, but the idea, the state of being, the state that we are in is very important here. So you see here, when you look at chapter 2, verse 6, and you see about the Lord Jesus, it says here, basically, who in subsisting or existing or being in that state of the form of God. Not just the idea he was there, but that he had the very state, the very form of God, didn't he? He was God himself, wasn't he? That's why he had that. See? And so this particular word is extremely important in the, in the Greek and for us today as well. And that's the same word being used in chapter 3 where he, in the present tense, uh, in chapter 3, uh, has its existence. That is, the idea of existence, but we have our state, as it were, uh, our source of it all. We, our, our being comes from there, doesn't it? Or does it? That we have our existence in relation to there. And so we do exist. We are. Yes, that's true. We are. We do exist. But not just, but the very, we're controlled, as it were, by that state of being. Uh oh, are we? How many of us today, seated here, are controlled by that heavenly city? That our whole, all our actions are controlled by there. And we exist and subsist in, in that state of existence based on that. Well, that gets to be a little harder, you might say. But be in mind, it's, that's a, it's an important issue. For instance, in Luke chapter 11, when we see the word used, it can be used negatively as well. I'll just read one from Luke 11, for instance. And in Luke 11, I believe it's uh, chapter 11, and verse, 
uh, 13. If, there, if therefore ye being evil, there's that word being, there it is, that's subsisting, existing in the form of evil, I might say. And, uh, or in Luke 16, where we see the, the, uh, the rich man Lazarus, right? The rich man's in the place of torment, right? Being in torments, it says, being, there it is. Same word, right? Huparco. That is, his very state of being was one of torment, wasn't it? In that place. And you can see why he wanted to get out of there, right? Or have some water or whatever it might be in Luke chapter 16. But see, he was actually controlled by that state. And there was nothing he could do about it. He was in the place of torment. And he was controlled by that very state of being there. And that's the idea of this word here. But see, we're not controlled by that state, but we're in a different place, aren't we? If we know Christ today. And so we have this marvelous, I'll call this, position in connection with the, the heavenly citizenship, the place that we are controlled in a position controlled by there. At least I hope that's the case for us today. But we go back to chapter 3, verse 20. We have our commonwealth, our place, we said. We ha has its existence that is a, it's a position in connection with that. And it's in the heavens. Uh, we already mentioned that. Uh, from which also, well, I wonder who's there. Because we're, we're waiting for somebody to come from there, aren't we? So that would tell us there is at least one person there, right? And who's that? <laughs> the Lord Jesus, right? The Lord Jesus Christ is there. And evidently there's some other people there too, perhaps, right? Because see, Abraham looked for such a city, didn't he? And others, and they're dead and gone. And perhaps in some way they're sharing that city. And so we recognize then this third P I'll mention. We've mentioned the place and the position in relation to the place, but we have a people, don't we? There's a people that are associated. When we have a city, uh, having an empty city doesn't really help too much, does it? You've got to have some people there, right? And so our third P is people, right? That a country or a city has people. And God has decided to populate his city by those who have put faith in himself. You may say, well, I don't like it that way. Well, uh, who's in charge of the city? Who's decide the rules for getting into the city, say? And so men and women of this world say, well, you know, I, want to get to heaven, I want to get to heaven this way, or I want to get to that citizenship this way, or do this, or pay this, or whatever, or be baptized. And God says, no, here's the way you can get into my city. Here are the requirements. Here, you know, every country has its own requirements, right? For in, in, our, in our country, you have to be born in this country or you must get uh, uh, an appropriate uh, uh, rule, not rule, excuse me, uh, uh, permission, right, to come over. You, you have to have the right documents or whatever, and then you can become a citizen uh, later on, perhaps, after a number of years. But you have to follow the rules to do so. Well, who established the rules? Well, our government did, didn't they? And so we have to recognize then that God has established certain rules, certain requirements to get into a city. And I hope each one of you have met those requirements today. And if you've met those requirements, of course, then you'll behave differently, won't you? We'll conduct ourselves in a different way. And we'll love these people that are in heaven. And we'll, we'll, we'll love the administrator of this city, won't we? And so it's marvelous to see then we not only have this place, and we have a position related to that place, but there are other people that are there just like us. There are people. There's the administrator and the believers, right? We will call it the colony of believers, you might say. Our colonies above. 
and not here on earth. Well, that's very good. So we have then our commonwealth, we have its existence, its position, where it is, and we also have this idea there's a people there because we see the name Lord Jesus Christ brought out and it says we await and so on. There must be others who are involved because it says we. And so there's some other people. But now look at what follows. From which also we await. Or yours might say wait or waiting or something like this. Waiting. How many of you like waiting? Anyone here like waiting? No one? No, no. I see no one raising their hand. Bunch of impatient people, I guess. I don't know. No, I didn't. We, in our culture, you know, our culture of technology and speed and so on, it's hard to wait, isn't it? Yeah, we were just, uh, just before we came, we had gotten back from our last trip last week. We were coming, I forgot we were coming back. Oh, Minnesota. I was at a camp in Minnesota doing a week there. I had just come back from Minnesota, and our internet was down. Anyone ever had that problem? And, oh, and that's right. I, had, I didn't have it last week. I had to use my hotspot on my phone, right? But the internet I had at home was down, right? Horrors, right? You know, uh, what am I going to do? But you see, thankfully, I had my hotspot, and I, I was able to survive. But you see that we, uh, we do get a little anxious, don't we? It's hard to wait to get something fixed, doesn't it? Hard to wait around. And so we see then that uh, they, 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 actually, I just got a message yesterday on my way here. I was just, uh, we just got to California, and they said, by the way, your internet's fixed. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I won't be home to try it for three weeks, right? But you see, we have to be patient, don't we? But that's the idea we think of with waiting, is the idea of being patient and so on. But that's not really the idea of this word. Because, see, there's a difference between, in our English, between wait and await. I wonder if you ever noticed that before. A difference, not only in Greek, but in English, between waiting and awaiting. Yeah, you're going to start looking at me like, uh-oh, he's getting really fancy here. Well, now it's very important to see because, see, awaiting also, awaiting, of course, awaiting has the idea of, you know, you're looking for something to come, right? But you see, you really yearn for it to come, right? Awaiting in English is the idea of yearning for a desire to see it come. You're not becoming impatient. You, you just can't, you just love the idea of its coming. And so this idea of fixing your eyes, the eager, the idea of being eager. Have you ever been, are you eager for the Lord Jesus to come today? How many of you are actually eager? Would you want him to come in the next five minutes? And some people might say, well, I'm, I'm not that anxious. I'd like to you know, live my life a little bit or whatever. But you see, the idea of await with the A in front is the idea in English of eager anticipation of his coming. That we we conduct our lives as if he will be here in the next moment. Do we do that? That's much tougher, isn't it? Conducting our lives as if he could call us home any moment. And he could, couldn't he? Call us at any moment. And so we see the idea of eagerly wait. In fact, we see it just before this verse. You see in verse 17, actually verse 16 of the same chapter 3. But where to you obtain? Let us walk in the same steps. There, let us walk, conduct ourselves. Let us walk in the same steps. Be imitators together of me, brethren, and fix your eyes. There, I love that. Fix your eyes on those walking thus. 
And it goes on to say, as you have us for a model. Fix your eyes. Well, you know, why does Paul say, you know, uh, follow us? Remember when Paul says elsewhere, uh, follow me because I follow Christ. Could we say it to everybody here today? That you could say to anybody here and say, you know what, follow me because I follow Christ. And that you would be willing to have anybody here follow you and do whatever you do all day long. Is that doable? <laughs> would you allow that? <laughs> you might say, well, give me a few days to get things straightened out first or whatever, whatever it might be. But see, that's the idea, isn't it? We have our models. Those people are looking for Christ, weren't they? They expected him to come, and they conducted their lives as if he could come at any moment. And so they could say, there's your model. Follow me as I follow Christ. It makes me think, brethren, could I say the same? Could I say to all of you, follow me? Or would I be ashamed in some way to say, I fail miserably sometimes. And so we see the importance of fixing our eyes. I, I love that. I don't know if you, do you like that hymn? I did, I did it in the CD. Some of you may have the old CD. I did it on this one as well. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. You like that hymn? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, won't it? Love that hymn, and so we need to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Not looking for signs and all kinds of other things. We're looking for him, eagerly awaiting him. And there's many, many more verses we could look at, but our time is flying and don't want to take too long. I will maybe look at another one here in a minute. But let's go on to our final and uh, fifth P here. So that's the, uh, that one was priority, by the way. I, I didn't say the P, but the issue of priority, right? The idea of eagerly awaiting that Christ is our priority. And we conduct ourselves in every way in association with that priority, that he might come, and I desire his coming, eagerly awaiting him to come at any moment for me. But now we come and we see then we await the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And so there's a promise there. My last P is the idea that there's a promise there. He says he'll come, won't he? Do you believe it? Because that's extremely important, isn't it? that you believe he'll come, that he will take you and deliver you from this present world. Now, how many people believe that? Uh, we've got two, three, just four or five people. Oh, boy, we got some work here today. That he's going to come. Oh, brethren, he is. And I look forward to that day that he'll come. And so you see there's a promise made. He's going to take us to be with himself. And you know there's many verses from John and elsewhere that go into all that. You know, I've prepared a, a, a mansion or a room for you, a chamber, bed chamber, whatever you want to use. It depends on how you translate it. But uh, he's, he's got many of them up there, doesn't he? Many rooms. And he will deliver us. You see, he saved us, you might say. But he is saving us, of course, in other sense, isn't he? And he will save us, right? He will deliver us from the prison evil world, as it says elsewhere. Uh, I go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and this is the verse where I'll show you both the waiting and the deliverance. 1 Thessalonians, and we'll look at chapter 1. And we come over here 
And let's look at chapter 1 and verse, let's see, we'll come... Yeah, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. Uh, actually, I'm going to start before there. Let's see, because that's uh, coming in the middle there. Let's see. Um, actually, i got to start way up here. Huh? Um, verse 5. For our glad tidings were not with you in word only, but also in power in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, even as you know that we were among you for your sakes, and ye became our imitators. Oh, there's that model again, right? You became our imitators of the Lord and of the Lord, having accepted the word of much tribulation with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that ye became examples or models. There it is again, isn't it? Wow, this, this relates. And so here we are, we, so, so we, they became examples or models. And, uh, and then it goes on to say, to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord sounded out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith, which is towards God, has gone abroad, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves relate concerning us what entering in we had to you, and how you turn from God, I said, turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God. And to what? Await. There it is. That's just a word, right? And to await his son from the heavens whom he raised from among the dead. Jesus, a deliverer. There's a deliverer from the coming wrath. It seems like Paul brings out all, as it seems, almost all the same things that would come out in Philippians 3.20, didn't he? We see the, the model, the example here. We see the deliverance, which is the last piece I was just mentioning, right at the, uh, in verse 10 there, and the word of waiting's there in verse 10 as well. And the, uh, the whole thing seems to be Paul saying it again to the Thessalonians related to Philippians. A little different. How important, he's saying, the promise. Where they knew he'd come. And don't let anyone be God who he says later on, right? Because you know, some Thessalonians like, thought, well, he'd already come. If it, brethren, if, if the Lord has already come and we're still seated here, we're in trouble, aren't we? <laughs> you see, that's the problem. That's what the Thessalonians were worried about. Wasn't it seem in some cases that some were saying, oh, he's already, he's already come. <laughs> oh, really? And so we know he will come for us. That's the promise. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28, we can go over there and take a note there. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28. And this is uh, actually another whole message here, this, this little series starting in verse 24, because um, it talks about Christ entered in the holy places not made with, uh, uh, not made with hands, right? Uh, For Christ is not entered into holy places made with hand figures of the true. That's verse 24 but into heaven itself now to appear before the face of God. So we have an appearance here in heaven by our Lord. But then in verse 26, he talks about another appearance, and we go into details here, but we won't do it right now. And, uh, but in verse 27, he says, For as much as the portion of men to die once, and after this a judgment, thus the Christ also having been once offered to bear the sins of many, shall appear. And who is he going to appear to? Shall appear to those that look for him the second time. He's already come once, right? He'll come again. And to take us, to look from the second time without sin for salvation. That is apart from sin, right? He came the first time to deal with sin, didn't he? The second time, he doesn't have to deal with sin, right? Because he comes to take us away. And eventually to judge, of course, as well. 
And so we recognize here there are three appearances, which is sort of interesting to do a study on. And actually, there are three different Greek words, by the way. Uh, the word appear there in the three verses is different. But uh, we won't go into details, but to show that last one is the issue of the fact that he is coming and we desire for him to come. And those Hebrews, of course, is extremely important for them to understand that. Because you see the Hebrews, if it's, a whole, it's a marvel study of a book. And uh, I know brethren, the brethren will differ on the exact understanding of it all. But we, I would suggest there, it is written in Hebrews, isn't it? I can say that much, right? <laughs> it's written to Jewish people, it seems, that at least to profess Jesus. We'll say that much. They had professed to know Jesus and said, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. And, uh, uh, and I've seen some of the signs. And uh, so I will go along with the Christians. And so they may or may not be believers, but they, they profess to know him. And there might be some today that profess to know him here, don't really know him. It's possible, isn't it? I remember I went to, I went to church for 20-something years not knowing Christ. I loved church. When I was younger, I'd go to church, and, uh, and I enjoyed the choir. And I enjoyed the music. I loved music. And uh, I just enjoyed the dinners. You know, the fellowship dinners were good. I liked the fellowship dinners. And the times of, of fellowship with the, the goodies and so on, right? Uh, like any young kid, right? I, I love those kind of things. And, and I, I did it for 20-something years. You know what? 20 years of going to church, I never knew Christ. Never knew Christ. That can happen today, can't it? People can still come because your family taught you to come or whatever. And, or you may have perhaps come from another kind of church and you just moved to California to come here now. And, and you can go to church over and over again, get in the habit of doing it, but never put your trust in Christ. I hope that's not true of any here. I hope each one has put their trust in Christ. But don't, can you imagine had I died before being saved in college? And I was saved at a secular college, not a Christian college. <laughs> But God saw fit, praise his name, to have a, a Bible study there that, that they would share the gospel. And I thought I was a Christian, so I went. <laughs> right? Because I was a Christian. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I, and I would go to the Bible studies, and I'd eat lunch with the Christians and all this. And, but there was something different about them. Because I didn't conduct my life the same way they conducted their life. I'm saying there's something different here. And so I found quickly enough, according to scriptures, I knew nothing about Christ. I never read my Bible. The only time I opened the Bible was when I went to a Bible study. But otherwise, my family, we never opened the Bible at home. But we went to church every Sunday. Sad, isn't it? And I certainly wasn't awaiting the Lord Jesus to come to take me home. I had no, you know, that, that wasn't really my desire. But I liked going to church. I wonder here today, you know, in like the book of Hebrews, those, those, those people, they, they sort of enjoyed being with the Christians, but it was getting hard. And when it gets hard, it really shows whether you know them or not, doesn't it? When things get difficult, then we know whether it's true faith, it seems. And that's what the writer is trying to bring out to these Hebrews. You say, well, what will you do? Will you go back to what you had, or will you stay with the superior things of Christ? Well, that's another whole study, but you see, I want to encourage you to think on today the heavenly citizenship. Will we keep our minds and hearts focused on Christ? Will we be those who really, that's a priority, we eagerly await his coming, and then we own that city as the place we really live. And we, of course, will travel here as people in tents, won't we? Like we said, you do remember last time I spoke, right? In the book of Genesis, you remember that, I think. 
I, I, I didn't quiz you ahead of time. I should have quizzed you ahead of time to see if anyone had remembered. But we, we looked at Genesis and Abraham's journey and where he had journeyed and the importance of the fact that he had a tent because he's only a pilgrim here. How about us? Are we just pilgrims on a journey to a heavenly home? Well, I hope that's the case for you, as is for me. May we await his coming and rejoice and conduct ourselves in a way that he will be pleased with us from the journey we've taken in this world till he comes to take us. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you again for the time to be in thy word, an opportunity to look into it. Lord, we just looked at this one verse, and we probably have not exhausted what you have to say to us. We thank you for the great lesson of our heavenly citizenship, our commonwealth there, in the city that Abraham looked for, that new Jerusalem, which someday will come upon the new heavens and new earth, part of that new heavens and new earth. Lord, we, we look forward to that day that Jesus will come and take us to be with himself. In the meantime, may we be those who, as believers here, may we be those who conduct ourselves in such a way that we await him and we recognize that everything we do is in relation to our heavenly citizenship and privileges. May we be those who are just tent, uh, in a tent here, journeying through, uh, sharing uh, with others the, as a model where they can have life forever in the heavenly home. And Lord, if there be one here sitting here today who's coming among us just to uh, uh, come as a friend or a family member or those who maybe have come to church for years who have never put their trust in Christ, may they meet the qualifications of heaven today by putting their trust in Christ before it's too late. May they believe, just like those Hebrew ones would have to believe as well, if they would be delivered. We thank you again for the time we've had. We ask your spirit to help and guide us that we might conduct ourselves well for the glory of thy son, in whose name we pray, amen. amen. And I'll put a little half sheet of notes out there for those who uh, would like that.